0: You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home.
1: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. My name is Mike Hearn, I'm your host and uh, extremely interesting podcast today, I think. I think it's going to be very valuable to, well, everybody listening, because I think if you've read the title of this, this is an investing style podcast. I think when people initially think of the word investing, they think number crunching sat in an office, absolute snore. However, this is like the dream side of investing where most people, I think, well, I, in my case, definitely the goal is to have passive income. And I say passive income with air quotes, cause it's really not passive income because <laughs> you work your ass off. But, um, the real estate investing side and getting into owning rental properties, um, and kind of you know owning buildings and earning money while you the dream is earning money while you sleep or you're on the beach drinking pina colada or somewhere <laughs> right so yeah. uh thanks for coming on the podcast guys Alyssa Dyer and uh I literally just spent 10 seconds talking to you about your last name I am going to say it right Curtis Cooper Smith yes you got it um founders of Table Investments Thanks for giving up your time today, guys. I know you're super busy.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. It's awesome.
1: This is, uh, I am excited, and this is kind of like a, I mean, I'm super nerdy about this stuff, so I'm excited, and I know everybody listening will be, but if they don't listen, then it's totally fine. It's totally worth my time. Um, how did this all start? Like, tell me, Give me, like I don't know, brief clip notes about table investments, and then we'll dive into it all.
2: Um so Alyssa and I uh both got into real estate um around 6 years ago and we actually started at the same time in the same brokerage and we were some of the only people in that like initial group that were under about 40 years old and so we just uh started a friendship and you know we would always bounce ideas off of each other about what we were doing and we were running two separate businesses um but we would just help each other out as we went and so uh fast forward um we had both bought rental houses at a young age and we were working with a lot of investors and basically we knew some guys out of state and they said that they wanted to buy some rentals and so we started out just, you know, finding deals on the MLS and sending those out, and then we realized really quickly that a lot of the times the deals, by the time they get to the MLS, they are not really a deal um, because if somebody has a deal, they go to a real estate agent. That real estate agent usually knows more investors or knows a, another agent that knows investors. So by the time it gets to the MLS, it's not really a good deal. Mm-hmm. So we realized that the only way we could consistently offer Good deals to people was to find them off market, and so we started that path of um you know reaching out to people that owned large portfolios of properties or you know just owned one or two mm-hmm. um and we offer a solution to people here in Oklahoma City if they own a rental property, we can sell it with the tenant in the house without showings without it going on the m l s or anything like that and uh, we, at that time we were the only people really doing that here. Um, there's been a few people that have kind of, you know, mm-hmm. kind of copied what we were doing and trying to kind of do what we're doing. Um, but you know, it was really hard at the beginning cause we didn't really have anybody to go to. So we yeah. kind of created a new industry here of, of, um, selling rental properties. Right.
1: So you basically, as a, you know, you just make investing simple, easy, seamless.
2: That's the goal. Um, yeah. and it's taken a lot of work and, um, you know, Alyssa's better at the system side and process side than I am. Um mm-hmm. that's really like she's a genius at that and I know that um if she wasn't so good at that we couldn't offer the solution that we do because there's just so much behind the scenes that goes into yeah. it. Um but the end goal is to make a very smooth and seamless process for both sides of the transaction.
1: And you mentioned that you both did real estate previous to starting this business. Mm-hmm. Was real estate like always like a career choice for you guys?
3: Uh, for me, no, not at all. My Pretty much my whole family is in the medical field, uh, so I was pre-med, uh, getting to that senior year where you start shadowing doctors and, you know, beefing up your application for med school, uh, and I hated it. I yeah. tried private practice, hospitals, those little mobile nurse things. I don't know what they're called. Somebody will be upset that I don't know the name of it, but... Um, I really just didn't like it. So I dropped out and started um, bartending, just trying to figure out what I was going to do next, and went to the library and read everything, just trying to find yeah. something that just really struck a nerve. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and was like, okay, I can do this. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. I mean, my husband and I did what, I mean, Pockets calls it house hacking. So where you buy a house and then you get, um, like you've got a garage apartment or it's a duplex, so you know, you fix the other side up. Mm -hmm. rent it out and that's paying your mortgage and so that's kind of how I got into investing Um, I think a lot of people think that it's this you've got to set out a plan and know what you're doing for the next 20 years and wear a suit and be all hedgy and Man, I was bartending and painting a garage apartment, and that's yeah. kind of how we got started.
1: Um, where did you go to school for like we uh, met? UCO is okay. where I did
3: my undergrad. Uh, so I went ahead and finished my degree. Yeah. Um I haven't used it I haven't at used all. It since no. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I got out. I mean, I worked jobs and had some family help, so I don't. I don't have any debt. But wow. God, I can't imagine if I did. Right. That would suck. <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. That's.
1: I mean. I kind of use mine, but I don't. Mine's yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I kind of um, use it. Yeah. So, where did you go to high school? Were you all uh, I far? graduated
3: from Santa Fe. I went to Choctaw for most of it, and I got to my junior year and um, honestly wanted to graduate early. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa Fe would let me do it. So, I came up to Edmond for about six months to just finish. Yeah. yeah. So, is
1: education quite a big part of life then for you?
3: Yeah, Not. I really don't like formal education. Um, I really thought that I needed it, mm. uh, and I took school really seriously. I mean, AP classes, graduated early, went to college, and I've learned way more from blog posts and books and podcasts yeah. and all of that than I think I did in my years and years and years of formal right. education. What so, did
1: uh, what did mom and dad and the whole family say when you were like, I'm not doing this medical thing?
3: Um, I lived with an aunt and uncle at the time, and they hated it. I mean, they were really... Uh, I say that they, they just couldn't wrap their head around it. My dad yeah. just begged me like, please just finish your degree. My grandma just, I mean, rolling over in heaven yeah. could not wrap her head around giving up a nursing or a nurse practitioner or being a doctor to be mm-hmm. a salesperson. Anybody can be a salesperson. Why would you throw away all those brains to yeah. go pound the street? So yeah, I mean, they weren't, they were fine. They just could not. Come close. My husband doesn't have a degree at all either. So we're both kind of the uh-huh. in a family of attorneys and doctors. Yeah. Yeah, they just didn't get it. The first kind of <laughs> the
1: first kind of entrepreneurs in the family, I guess.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's Curtis and I were just talking about that. It's so hard to consider myself an entrepreneur. I hate that word. I anyway. just we fell into it, yeah. no freaking clue what we were doing. I just read a book and was like, Okay, we can do this. <laughs> yeah, so. every
2: twenty something that still lives with their parents calls themselves an entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. the, yeah, the definitely. hot thing to call yourself right mm-hmm. now. We're so. just trying
3: to figure out how to make some money and
2: and help c- people. Yeah, right? and
3: create this thing that goes and maybe we'll get lucky enough to be able to go on vacation and it goes, you know, while we're gone for ten yeah. days.
2: <laughs> so. She she's being really kind about it. Basically when it first started she had this idea and she had came to me and basically she was doing it and she just needed admin help mm-hmm. and um I had a regular real estate team at the time and so she had basically just came to me and was like, Hey, can I um can I use Sherry to help with my, you know, my transactions? And I said, yeah, you know, definitely. And, um, I, I thought she was crazy. I never thought that this would like actually take off, that it would actually be Mm -hmm. something because, you know, there was nobody else doing it. And I thought, man, surely somebody's thought of this and has tried it and there's gotta be a reason it doesn't work. And so, you know, there for a while, Alyssa was really just, you know, pounding this by herself and, um, I, I'm very glad that I, you know, saw it and yeah. saw what we could do. But it was a very slow evolution of like how it came to be, and every week was just. I mean, we did everything together at the beginning because we had no idea what we were doing. Um, so we just had to kind of troubleshoot everything mm-hmm. that we did and figure it out. Yeah, it's been been fun.
1: Right, and and you, so you, you left. The- you graduated, yeah. you read all these books, you're like, uh-huh. I'm going to do real estate. Yeah. And then you dive in and quickly become, with, through complete hard work, one of the best, well, the best, right? In the, you're a number one listing agent on the one of the best teams in the state. Yeah, best yeah, teams for in the nation. Sure. So you crush it. Yeah, that was and fun. doing all these things, you know, but you get to a point where you're like, I guess you do you not really feel fulfilled and then to, to, I, to do you know I'm trying to figure out like yeah. you, you're doing very well you're extremely successful at a young age yeah and then you're like you know what I'm done I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. start something else but no it one's was, done before
3: no it was um the whole thing was wild and I I still love that team um I bet half the people listening would know who the team is mm-hmm. still go to dinner with them I just it's hard so the the beauty of a real estate team is that you have all these specialists. You have a buyer's agent, you have a listing agent, and it's awesome because you get so good at one thing, but what's hard is that you're only good at one thing. I got up and when you're the best, like on paper, you're the you have the most reviews, the highest number of sales, you're not really selling anymore. You don't really have that fight.
1: You're just wafting you into the You just a walk in and are yeah. like,
3: Look, we sold six hundred houses last year and we've yeah. got four hundred reviews. Are you mm-hmm. gonna go talk like I mean, yeah, you're kind of an idiot really if you don't easy. sell with me. Yeah. And so it was, the team was fun. My support was fun. The coaching was fun. But the job I did every day was just, it felt like taking candy from a kid or whatever that phrase yeah. is. And so, um, I went to my husband and was like, I think I'm going to quit. And he was just like, no, like, <laughs> God, Alyssa, not again. Because I have this tendency, you know, to be like, okay, I'm good, next. Yeah. But he was cool, total supportive husband, and so I did. I walked in and quit one day and um, transitioned all my sales to the other two or three team members and started working for this other guy who did a ton of investing. And um, we got into it, and it was just like, why am I continuing to work for somebody else? And the other thing that's hard, I mean, Curtis is again kind and his I get a really particular vision and I want it to go that way and so it's like I'm working with these investors and it's like okay I'm so frustrated that I keep going under contract on these houses and they're busting over inspections because investors pull that stupid card where they give you a disclaimer instead of a disclosure and they're like I don't know anything about the house I haven't lived here it's like
1: You can't come in until you have an offer accepted. Yeah, it's like I know you do.
3: I know you have a PNL. I know that you have maintenance records. I know that you know what's up with this house. Um, You get a bad tenant because you're not able to talk to the tenant until after it closes because all the red tape and the whole process. And so, our really our vision for the company was it's not just selling houses off market so that we can avoid the MLS. It's really being able to walk in and say, okay. Seller, you've got to give me all your PLs. You have to give me your maintenance logs. You have to give me a copy of your lease. You have to let me talk to your tenant. You have to let me go in and take a picture of everything. Um, and so, trying like that was my vision for it. And I just, until Curtis, I couldn't find anybody that wanted to do the work mm-hmm. to make the same amount of money that you'd make just being an agent. Yeah. Um, so, that's ultimately kind of what it came down to was just that I wanted to do important work that solved a problem. Right. And being a listing agent just kind of made me feel like I was doing the same work as other people and that I wasn't solving a unique problem.
1: Yeah, well, that makes sense. So yeah. what, so did you have, uh, the like you already went into the investment, you always kind of had that idea to yeah. do that. And then you're like, shit, I can do this myself and I can do it at a higher level.
3: Yeah, it was more, more so that I needed a partner who was, I either needed to do it alone or I needed a partner who was committed to the same level of excellence. Okay. Yeah. I was fine either way. Yeah. Um, and so my previous partnerships just either didn't want to do the work or they didn't want to do it at the high level or it was like...
0: They
3: were
1: content making the money they were making. And yeah. No.
3: And for us, or Curtis, is, that's kind of why I wanted to partner with him is he's committed to that same... Like, more than making the money, we're legitimately providing transparency mm-hmm. and a solution. Um, so I could do this on my own and he could too. Neither of us have to partner with the yeah. other. Um
1: where does that background come from for just striving for excellence?
3: I don't know. Cuz that's
1: not just like something I, you just pluck out of thin air. I really or read wish in a book.
3: that I could figure it out so that I could make sure that all Sell everybody <laughs> yeah. Alyssa's
2: <laughs> brain yeah. is, is like if you ever spend time with her about stuff like you know processes, systems or even like a big problem it's like it doesn't matter what the problem is where most people see a big problem they're like oh god that would that i don't know that that sucks Mm -hmm. she looks (laughs) at it and within a minute her brain has calculated exactly how that's going to be solved and which steps need to be taken to get there and if you give her a whiteboard or piece of paper she can write it all out and draw it out like so fast. Yeah. And it, it's honestly, it's amazing. Um, but it, you know, it's just like kind of what she said, being committed to that excellence. It was, um, on my side, I didn't quite understand how it was going to happen. She had told me, Hey, I know how this is going to work. I know exactly what we need to do. Just trust me. And so when we started it, it was more of like, all right, I'm going to talk to the people. I'm going to bring them on to where we can go get meetings. And then she basically, I would open the door and she would come in and like basically close them because, and it wasn't out of just like sales. It was out of, Holy crap. Like this lady, like knows what she's talking about and knows how we're going to get there. Um, and I think that it's like that builds that trust with people, um, that you're, that you know where you're going and they can help you get there. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: what she was really what was time. the initial thought when Alyssa came to you because you know you're top 25 in the brokerage at the time right you're crushing yeah. it you're doing very well in real estate everything's going well and then you have a friend come to you that says hey i have this great idea i think you know we should think you should drop everything <laughs> we should do this
2: well um it's kind of a two-fold answer i guess because um part of me thought all right i'm gonna keep selling regular real estate because and i literally told her this i said i'm gonna keep my real estate team going um, because if this fails we're gonna that way we both have something to fall back on um and so I wanted to you know keep growing that, and then um also, I had told people really the whole time I'd been in real estate when people would ask me like, You know, are you gonna do this forever or blah blah blah? I'd always say that uh selling real estate how I'm doing it right now is going to be the vehicle that leads me to something that will create a business that mm-hmm. I can get out of Um, because, you know, if, if people are like familiar with real estate or specifically Keller Williams, there's a lot of talk about seventh leveling out of your team, meaning that you build a team big enough that you don't have to do the work anymore. You have enough people doing it that you can get out. If you talk to people that run or have ran a huge team, it is very rare that you ever see somebody do that. And so as I got closer and got to know more of these people, you know, all over the country that run these huge teams, I realized that their life looks like even when they've been in it for 20, 30 years, that every day they're still having to run. They're on the hamster wheel every day. Got to get another listing, got to get another buyer, and you're just constantly running. And I did that for a long time, and I was fine with that, um... But I knew that at some point I wasn't going to want to run like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to get to the end of that and, you know, the end of my life and be like, shit, I never built anything that can keep making me money. And I have to keep working like this. Um, So when I really caught on the vision, what I, what really drew me in was that I saw this as something that if I work really hard at this and it's going to take a long time, um, but I saw that at the end of it, there was a way that I'm not going to have to keep killing myself every day to keep growing this business. And her and I have both been very committed to that, to where the business is not ran around our names. The business is ran around the company, the systems the processes and what we offer is Mm -hmm. what brings people in. Not because, Oh, I love Alyssa or Oh, I love Curtis. It's, They offer a system, a solution to my problems that I can get on board with, and that's what's gonna keep it growing.
1: Yeah. So you like before that, you've always been in real estate. Was that a goal for you as well? Or was that just like, oh, I'm gonna try real estate today?
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: It actually was not a goal at all. Um, I actually bought my first rental property Kind of by accident, actually, um, I was nineteen, and there was um, a lady I worked with who had a house. It was a tough situation, and basically she was just telling me one day about you know, man, if I could just get somebody to take this off my hands, I would just get rid of it. And I knew nothing about real estate. I had no money. I I had nothing, but I knew, holy crap, like this is a really good deal. And so the next day, I went to every little bank in this little town in Texas, and I basically just begged for a loan. And I'd never had a credit card, I'd never had a loan, and so basically everybody's kinda laughed at me, and then there was this older gentleman that was the president of this bank, and he said, look, I can't give you a loan to the bank, but I'll give you a personal loan, I believe in you. And so um, I bought this property, um, for, I think I paid $58,000 for it. It was uh, four acres with a two bed, two bath house. It had a barn pipe fence. It was really nice. And, I, I mean, I rodeoed and I had horses and it was kind of in a horse area. So I bought this property and my payment every month was $234 a month. It's crazy. And yeah, I I'd lived in it. And then I read rich dad, poor dad. And so I read that book and And I had been thinking about it just constantly. And one day I was driving down the road, and I thought, holy crap, I have an asset. I have this house. And so I took pictures of it that night. The next day I put it on Craigslist for rent for $1,200 a month. had no idea if that's what it would rent for or whatever, Mm -hmm. just put it up. And my phone blew up, and so I ended up renting it out. And so I'm paying 234 hours a month. I rented it for 1200. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh I'm my rich. Gosh. Like, <laughs> this, this works. It works. And so, um, and then I ended up. Then I moved up here. Um, and I sold that house. And so I, um, I, I had the kind of like the the bug for investing in real estate, but I didn't know how to actually do it. Like that was that was yeah. my own experience. It was just kind of a fluke deal. And so I came up here, I had a group of friends. Um, I knew another guy that had his real estate license. And basically one night we were all just kind of sitting around and they were like, man, you should get real estate license. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever, I'll do it. And so I just signed up and I got my license, had no idea how to make money in real estate. And then I ran into a guy named Gary Atchley who's with Keller Williams um, at a gas station. I knew him from rodeoing. And he asked me what I was doing. I told him I was working at a construction company. And he said, and I told him I had my real estate license. He said, well, that's what I do. I said, well, how do you make money with this? Like, I I know people make money with a real estate license, but I don't know how. And he said, you need to get with Keller Williams. And that changed my life. I mean, that's what took off. It was, there was no plan for it. It was completely an accident. And it changed my life forever. How old were you when you started? Uh. would have been 23 or 24. Yeah. T- yeah. R- r- right before I turned 24. Okay. Yeah. So
1: that was what? Five, six years five ago. Five years ago. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I love the quote that you can do anything in five years. Yeah. Like it oh, is like my so favorite true. quote ever. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Right. And yeah. it's like with hard work and I'm sure that hard work came from you grafting your ass off on a ranch yeah. every yeah. day. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not, I mean, that's not work I'd want to be doing. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, you hear a lot of people talk about, like, you have to have your three and five-year goals, and you got to know where you're going, and, and I agree with that to an extent that, like, you can't just be wandering through life, um, and at the same time, all of the best things that have ever happened in my life, I had no idea they were going to happen, and I had no plan for them, um. If you do know what you're doing, yeah, it's good to have three and five year plans. Um, but you never know what can happen. Um, but I just believe that if you're doing the right things every day, taking the right steps, and putting yourself in positions to be around good people and mm-hmm. to be in, you know, just basically be being a person who successful things can come to, and it's not going to wreck you. Good things will continue to happen, and you'll just you'll keep growing from it. Yeah.
1: Right, I
2: love that five-year quote. It's yeah, so it is.
1: Um, so five years later, you you know you're two years in to the business now that you founded together, and um, I mean, what's it been like for two years? Have you have you insane. stopped? Have you no. taken a breath in two years?
3: <laughs> well, the first year was brutal. I mean, we it was just me, Curtis, and Sherry, and we had no clue. Like we ha- I mean, I knew we had hit sales goals, and it was insane. Though I mean, did not go on vacation, didn't really sleep that much, didn't. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole balance thing was a freaking joke for sure. Um, like three of us sold almost 200 houses. That's uh, crazy. What was
1: the goal for year one?
3: 160. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 160. Yeah, but we thought that the retail part of that, so like owner occupants, would be I think it was 40 percent, and it mm. was like five. Okay. Um, so the investment piece that takes all this time is really what mm-hmm. it took all of our freaking energy. <laughs> I mean, was that
1: like the biggest shock?
3: It wasn't a shock. It was. Um, you kept thinking like, okay, I'm gonna get through this wave, and then, because it's real estate, you know, it goes, mm-hmm. and then it, you breathe, and then you get really busy, and then, it was an entire year. Of no breathe room and that's what was shocking is that we'd think that we got past a wave and then it would come again Um, we learned really 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 quickly that uh, like you always hear this thing about people um, like choose who you work with and it's okay to not work with people who aren't part of your tribe and we learned that really really hard the first year investors are typically very decisive they're very set in their ways and they're successful because they've Created path and they charge down it, Um, and sometimes that's awesome and it hits sync with ours and sometimes it is awful, Um, so that was hard from the first year. Uh, Pretty much like we office in a tiny little room, so that's pretty tough Mm -hmm. from the first year because it's like your cash poor when you're first. It's like you're making all this money but you've got to reinvest it into the company, Um, so that was tough from the first year.
1: What was like a normal day like? What did you do day to day?
3: I don't even know. It's like, it's such a blur. Like, we didn't have a website. Like, we're an off-market company. Like, basically an internet company. And we didn't have a freaking website for a year.
1: So, were you just driving around random neighborhoods? It's like, we would get
3: up and get to the office. We used to, like, we didn't even have money to pay somebody else to, like, write addresses on envelopes. So, Curtis and I would be sitting there in the morning doing sales calls, like, facing opposite walls in this tiny office, writing names on envelopes for, like... 4 hours every day. Yeah,
2: we sent we still do but we used we were sending out around 5,000 to 7,500 mailers a month and we were handwriting and handwriting the names and addresses on yeah. every envelope and hand signing every letter.
3: Yeah, so we didn't have time to do that any other time so we'd sit there and do like our sales calls like yeah. randomly calling agents, investors on bigger pockets, old clients to be like, "Hey, have you ever thought about investing?" and then teaching them about it. And then in the afternoons, yeah, we would. I mean, this is before we had any type of system. So we yeah. would both go to every appointment with sellers and be like, okay, do we want to sell this house? Do we not want to sell this house? So like, you were still kind of you focusing
1: on like your normal real estate stuff, kind of to sell kind houses. Of. But then was the main focus like finding the, the, main, the inventory yeah. of so find, the buyers? Yeah,
3: so Curtis would find inventory. So all of his sales calls were like finding the sellers, like finding okay. a house. To sell and okay. then i was trying to build relationships with buyers so okay when he gets this house who the hell's gonna buy it yeah like because <laughs> the whole thing is we liked i mean we'll work with local people too and we love that but most local people have their own solution yeah and um, so most of the people we're working with are like in seattle and portland and la and so we're trying to how
1: how did you get to those people I don't know. Was that an idea? Was that always like a goal? I mean,
3: some companies do. So our competition, Mm -hmm. this is what our competition does. Um, They go buy a house. They gut it to the studs, sell it to an investor. It's called a turnkey company. They sell it to an investor pretty much at full market value, Um, offer warranties, put a tenant in there, and they do the management in-house. And so Curtis and I looked at it and we're like, okay, we don't want to do management. And like, why the hell are these investors paying Full market value for an investment. Like, that is, it blows my mind. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, Terrible idea. And so, our whole idea, so this is kind of what we were trying to figure out. Is like, okay, how are we going to go to these investors out of state who are familiar with buying out of state, but they typically do it with basically a brand new house and a warranty and convince them to buy a $70,000 house in Midwest City Mm -hmm. with no warranty and genuinely get them to see that that's a better deal, yeah, so most of what I was doing was just like commenting on bigger pockets, calling agents in other markets that it's like, "Hey, I know that you have investors, and your market is peaked out right now. They can't buy anything there, please just send them to me um, and it was it was just so much trial and error. Facebook groups I mean, we were just throwing anything at the wall yeah. that might stick, getting
2: buyers was really hard um. Well, I mean, honestly, getting both was really well, cause hard. Well, because
3: it's like you're trying to get people to come to Oklahoma, and it's like, wait, you have no website, no reviews. Yeah. And then you You want you my do, money? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, well, you want me to spend $300,000 where? To Oklahoma? Yeah. yeah. Like, what's in Oklahoma? Oh, the Thunder? Like. Yeah. Yes. Well, aren't you guys going to tank when oil and gas goes down? Don't tornadoes just wipe all the houses out every five years? It's like... Do you
1: actually have cause? Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: I've had a couple people be like, do you guys really ride horses or is that just a mess? Like, yeah. they literally ask those questions. So my day was just answering all of that and trying to not slam my head into the wall.
2: Yeah. Um, At the
3: beginning, we were
2: both basically... Because we had no idea how to find sellers and we had no idea how to find buyers. And so we were both basically doing different things to try to figure out what would work. And then as, as it started gaining traction, we realized we can't be doing both of these things because we've got to follow a system that will work consistently. And so, um, we had decided like, okay, Curtis, you're going to work with sellers, Alyssa's going to work with buyers. And that was a huge deal that really helped us. So we didn't really realize, um, that way, we had like someone who was more specialized in each area for one. But number two, it gave the buyer and the seller someone who was on their side. So basically, when we have it, when we're selling a deal, I'm the only one who talks. Well, me and we have um, girls that work for us. But um, as far as like an agent, mm-hmm. I'm the only person that talks to the seller, and Alyssa's the only person. Alyssa or Kira are the only people that talk to the buyers. And
3: so basically it just it gives the client the an advocate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Curtis and I battle it out. Like when it gets to inspections, I mean it, it works pretty much just like a real deal. Yeah. But instead of it being us and some other brokerage, it's just me and Curtis battling it out on yeah. what's gonna happen.
2: Um, but back to like the first year I remember
1: Like how are you looking for Because 'cause you're obviously not looking for your or are you? Are you looking for your average Edmund listing at two fifty that's not great to no. rent? You're looking for you just holding the wall, really, like We like, fixed. Like, areas yeah we like
3: like 75,000 to 115,000 okay depending on the condition around one percent if it's terrible we need like 1.3 to 1.4 percent of uh, rent so like
1: yeah i have to completely rent it out yeah so like if it's a hundred
3: thousand dollar house it needs to rent for a thousand bucks if it's in good condition if it's in crappy condition it needs to rent for like 1400 1200 it it just depends yeah Um, and every
2: deal is very different and that's what was so hard um because you know we would, we're marketing to all kinds of people, and the and the calls we would get are just kind of all over the board. So it's like we are trying to find rental properties, um, but then you'd have somebody call. It's like, well, I mean, I got this house for four hundred fifty thousand dollars in Edmond, yeah. and I mean, I bet it could rent for two thousand. It's like, well, that doesn't work. But also, we need money, so like, I'll list it and put it on the MLS. Okay, and yeah. so it's like. We're going after one thing, but you get a lot of different things in the middle. But
1: then listing that would always just pay bills and take care of everything. Have you kind of slowly phased out of that now? Well,
3: yes and no. It's like – so our ultimate goal, like way down whatever road, ultimate goal is that you can come to us and we can do literally anything. Mm -hmm. Sell it on the market. Sell it off market. And that's kind of what Curtis does when he talks to our sellers is like – this is the price that I'll close on it in five days. This is the price our investors will buy it, and mm-hmm. this is the price we can try to shotgun it on the MLS. So it's hard when you're in that first year or two when you want to say yes to everything, but, like, you, you don't have the manpower. Yeah. Like, we were literally working 16- and 18-hour days every single day. Yeah. I We couldn't say yes. So, like, I guess the first year was us trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to say yes to What are we going to say no to? And if we say yes, what is the process we're going to follow to get this freaking time down?
2: We had just decided that we weren't going to say no to anything unless it was just like for sure a terrible deal. But we were going to throw everything against the wall for a year. We said the first year we were going to do anything that came our way and then at the end of that year evaluate what was working, what wasn't. I remember specifically that I was still dead set that like, I am going to keep selling regular owner-occupant real estate. I'm not going to stop. Like We're going to keep growing. And I remember one day I was basically battling for a listing um, just for an owner-occupant deal. They had interviewed like four agents, and they're trying to cut commission, and they're trying to do all this stuff. And um, while I'm on the phone with them, I have six emails in my email box from – sellers that have rental properties that are literally begging me to sell their house. And so I was sitting there on the phone and I thought, I can keep fighting for a listing that I'm going to take, get a reduced commission, have somebody who doesn't really value me, or I can just start responding to these emails, calling these people back. And these people value me. They respect me. They want my help. And I don't have to fight for my commission. And that day it was like the switch went off in my head that like we are legitimately offering a huge value to these people. And it's not only hurting myself, but it's hurting the people who can benefit from these deals and all of that. And it's hurting us from actually growing a regular company for me to keep fighting to try to get these listings. And that was like a big turning point in my life, at least. Did you um, hang up for it? (laughs) No, I actually, I did list the house. But (laughs) I remember, uh, gosh, we had this one. It was a condo for $45,000. I think
3: this was the first client we fired.
2: It was, and basically I had been fighting for this deal for months. For 45 grand. I mean, and like... We're making, like, $200 yeah. out of the deal.
3: I mean. And
2: it had gotten to the point where I had, like, worked on it so hard that I couldn't give it up.
3: Like, everybody is sitting here telling Curtis, like, dude, just freak and walk away. Like, this shit's not worth it. And he's like, no, she is signing the sales price or signing the contract. Yeah.
2: So I get her to list it, finally. And um, I have to drive to – she won't e-sign, doesn't have email. You have to drive to her. And she, she's just an older lady and you know whatever, but she was just rude to me the whole time. <laughs> so we get it sold, and there really wasn't anything that wrong with the house. The buyer had asked for, like, minimal repairs. She loses her mind, screaming and yelling, and, you know, I'm not doing that, blah, blah, blah. So I finally... I had lost it. Like I had put so much time and effort into this deal and she's screaming at me and I just said, no more. No, I'm done. We're, we're releasing everything. What do you mean? We're not selling your house. We're not doing it. And that was like, I look back on it now and it was so frustrating at the time. I, God, I was just so upset, but it was a really good thing because it made me realize like, set your ego aside it doesn't matter how hard you've worked on something or whatever. Like, you have a job. These are the things that you're good at. Focus on that and go after those. Mm-hmm. And that really helped us to...
1: How long did it take, like, in that first year for you to, like, have enough listings to buyers and just have, like... How, how long did it take for you to, like, feel like you you were, like, the business is working, mm-hmm. the, the wheels are turning? August?
3: Yeah, I it's, guess right
2: at about a year. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, there was... The first year, there was always this um, – almost like a teeter-totter where I would get a bunch of listings, and then it was like, holy crap, who are we going to sell these to? Gotcha. And then we would have all of these buyers, and we only had two listings. And so there was just constant like back and forth of like, well, how are we ever going to get out of this like teeter-totter? Um and that's when we started really going after people that own big packages of houses. And that really helped us more than anything because, you know, we'll list own I mean, huge packages. Yeah. Hundred and I mean anywhere from like a eleven house package up to like a hundred and ten house package. And so when you list one of those um, we send properties out every Wednesday, and so when you have these big packages, that ensures that you're gonna always have inventory right you know, coming up. Yeah. And, um, and then as we, we can still list more and we kind of throw those in. but um,
1: do they want to sell them? Does it just depend on if they want to sell them all at once or like just one at a time? Like does it, just, uh, it just doesn't well, matter.
2: Generally for the seller, they're gonna if they sell them as a whole package, Anybody who's going to buy a whole package is going to want a really good deal. Right. So they know that they're going to make more money if they can sell them individually. And there's um, just not very many people
3: that have a million dollars to try. Yeah, yeah. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And so the people who do have a million dollars want it for pennies on the dollar. Otherwise, yes, they're just going to go buy an apartment. Yeah. You know that? And and it's it,
2: we found this kind of perfect balance to where we can still get the. Price at a price that it offers a really good rate of return where the buyer has equity, but it's also quite a bit more than what these owners could sell it to. You know, just somebody local is going to come in and right. just pay them nothing for it, or to like a wholesaler or something like yeah. that. Um, and then the fact that they don't have to worry about the tenant because um, there's not showings mm-hmm. and it doesn't go in the MLS, so the tenant isn't like. You know, declining showings, or yeah. trashing the house, or leaving. And then they don't yeah. make any cash flow. The sellers keep their cash flow every month and it sells and, and just yeah. goes on.
1: So, have you had buyers come to you like, say, I want to buy 50 houses? Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of those out of state buyers, though?
3: Typically, for the most part, the local people, once they get to that level, they've usually got an in house acquisitions team. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, most of them are really from out of state. Okay.
1: How do you find the people who have the giant packages?
3: Mostly that sounds di- so bad
1: on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Housing packages, people. Housing, Housing
2: packages. packages. <laughs> Jeez. Um, um, for the dr-
3: most part, it's just direct mail and referrals. Yeah. yeah,
2: referrals. I mean, when we started listing these like bigger packages, they know other people. Gotcha. And they would kind of refer us, and it would just kind of go from mm-hmm. there. That's how it's worked a
1: lot. I think in in my eye, before I'd even read or, got or looked into the business, it was like, you guys, I assumed, you know, and I hate the word assume because it makes an ass for you, me. Yeah. Um, But just like it was like you guys had a relationship with the bank or something or like, you know what no. I mean? Like that's, that's kind of who I thought controlled it. And I'm yeah. sure that's who everyone else thinks as well. Like the people who aren't in the business would probably think the same way. Yeah. But you just pounded the phones. Most of our stuff <laughs> is really one-off
3: and we prefer it that way. I mean, we really... We like building relationships. And if we don't, the issue when you're, when you're dealing through a third party is that you never have trust. Mm -hmm. So like if all of your business is coming through to you from the bank, that client never trusts you. They feel backed into a corner and we ran into that. Like we had one client source where they didn't trust us. The whole process with every single person that came from them was uphill, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, we really kind of learned that the hard way. We don't usually love going through somebody who's just going to feed us the leads because it's they second guess everything that you do. Every time there's a hiccup, it's your fault. It's not like or the tenant just moved yeah. out. It's the whole thing is just frustrating. So we really prefer it's more work, but we prefer kind of one off referral mm-hmm. based business. Yeah, it's better long term. I enjoy my days more right. when it goes that way. We could call the bank. We've got an awesome service um i just don't want to honestly
1: that's awesome yeah that's i mean that's a really good way to do it and that's really cool because i think a lot of people would like take the i say easy way out and go through the bank right or think oh where's the money at the Mm -hmm. bank probably has people
3: man the money's there it's just like what is your quality of life like we've got four clients coming in over the next 10 days and we're getting brunch at our favorite places we're Mm. getting happy hour at our favorite restaurants we're legitimately spending yeah four or five six hours with them and um
1: so let's go through that process if i'm if yeah. i'm or someone calls you up or like start how does it start like where do you get your lead from
3: um so on the buy side
1: yeah so if someone wants to buy
3: um so it's different so sometimes they'll message us on facebook sometimes they'll bigger pockets <laughs> cold call hey my brother i bought a house through you meet my brother it doesn't matter either way when you come in um, a lot of people want to talk to me. I think it's just cause like they see my name and co-founder. I'm actually pretty terrible to talk to. Um, well, cause I'm managing like marketing yeah, and budgets busy. and finances yeah. and training. And so yeah. like number one is getting them connected to one of the other girls on our team. She's way better. Yeah. Um, like if people can get past the fact that she's not an owner, like so much better experience. Um, So really they just, they talk to her and nobody gets on our list unless you do a consult with us. Um, Mostly because we do operate in a weird area. Like we're not wholesalers, we're not a turnkey company, we're not a real estate team. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got to jump on the phone with us. And I know people hate the phone, but like understand what we do and more importantly, what we don't do and what we're not offering. Um, It takes like 15 minutes. So Kira does that with them. And then from there, it's super simple. I mean, from there, you just get on our distribution list. We send it out every Wednesday, um, and you just look at properties, and once you're ready to go, you pull the trigger, and we get contract going. Some people want to fly out and meet us. We love that. Um, I probably miss the face time with clients more than anything. Yeah. I sit in front of a computer way more than I like. Um and so like with that, we they'll typically come out, we have like a small package we send them that's like re- hotel recommendations, mm-hmm. um, restaurant guide, all that stuff so that they kind of know what to do when they're here. Uh, we pick them up typically at their hotel around 11 or 12, and then we just show them Oklahoma City, whatever they want to see. Um, some people care more about meeting the team, so yeah. like contractor, title company, lender, like who are the faces I'm going to be working with? Some people couldn't care less, they want to meet us and see the city um yeah but either way it's the same the lead comes in kira kind of gives them a rundown of okay this is how we work and then they just start buying with us and
1: then going from like the money side of things to like to how much it takes to invest um i mean i think a lot of people think that it's a lot harder than it is yeah right and like you said you did the house hacking thing um you know and i think i've heard you previously on a a previous podcast if they live in the state then they can buy and then stay for a year and then
3: I love – I mean, that's right. what I did for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Talk
1: a little bit about that. So what, if someone wants to get into – someone's just graduated college. And and everybody like should do
3: this. Everybody should do this, either yeah. when they're getting into college or just graduating, or I don't care. If you have a whole family, you should do it. You literally just buy a house. So, like, I'm going to use $100,000, even though that's unrealistic because it makes numbers simple. You need 3.5% of your purchase price to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So like a $100,000 house, that's 3500 bucks to get into a house. And so if it's a duplex, each side is renting for, I don't know, 600 bucks. It's like your mortgage is not going to be that much. Yeah. And then you've got $600 a month coming in. So you're quickly getting that $3,500 back. And really, so like for my first house, I, it was either 1% or 1.5% down that I needed Like, less than two grand is what we brought to the closing table. And then I'm an agent, so I got my commission back. So I ended up making a couple hundred thousand, (laughs) or a couple thousand, not a couple hundred thousand. Um, But it's simple. I mean, really, and you don't need as good returns if you're living in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You just need something to offset your mortgage. And then, so for us, we saved that money every month and then used it. Like, Mm -hmm. we didn't spend the money. We paid Mm -hmm. ourselves rent like we would a landlord and just paid it to a separate bank account. And then once we had enough money, we bought another one Um, and we still do that with the company i mean that's probably my favorite model for people who don't have trust funds and really high performing jobs Mm -hmm. um it's what my sister's doing i mean i preach it because like anybody can anybody like i don't care how rough it is Mm -hmm. anybody can get to a place where they can save three thousand dollars pick up a second job do some freelance something and babies. then they
1: buy that house, stay for a year, right? Yeah. And then and just keep year paying yourself up. rent. I yeah. mean,
3: so a lot of people, this is where they kind of lose sight of the long term. They'll end up like they have somebody paying them $600 a month and they just put that towards their mortgage yeah. and kind of look at it as free rent. You can totally do that. You're just not going to get very far. So like what we did was took that $600 that we were being paid and then paid ourselves 600 So we had, mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit going into the pot every single year month. And, and then
1: after a year you have twenty seven thousand dollars that yeah. you can put towards so you don't kind of, have to move.
3: Yeah. So you can either not move or yeah. you can just go ahead and move again in a year and
1: rent the previous amount. Yeah.
0: Uh
3: if it were me, what I would have done um that I didn't know about then, I probably would have saved a whole lot more, moved into a house and then maybe only used five thousand of that twenty or so and then spent the other bit of money fixing the house up. So that I could either sell it or refinance it. Because that's where, once you've got two or three properties, start building equity. And that's where you get into kind of the fancy stuff that'll glaze everybody's eyes right. over on the podcast. But if yeah. you can just get past your first two or three, you get way more options.
1: Yeah. And then say, I mean, so you get into that, you're you know, you you know, saving up, you're buying, say you have two or three houses. Yeah. You don't want to deal with managing them or dealing with tenants or leasing yeah. them. Do you guys use, do that service or do you have a company that you use for that? How does that Not
3: work? Not for now. We ask that all the time. Um, Is that a goal though? Yeah, to we in-house? might. We're playing with the idea right now, trying to figure out if we want to bring it in house. Okay. Yeah. Um, part of us says, yeah, we totally should. We'd, kill it if we actually did it there's like no management or no money in management right um, yeah because
1: it's like 10 or 8 percent, depending like 8%. on what it is yeah
3: yeah most companies do it if you have more than one house yeah. that you're managing with them most companies do it for eight percent mm. like 80 bucks a door for all the work you have to do, do is just tough yeah um, it's great if they're
1: already leased yeah so i not, mean either way there is yeah. a
3: solution we just right now aren't that solution okay. we refer everything out um so like with us, once you close, we go ahead and do all your paperwork. We mm-hmm. go ahead and get your deposits and all that set up for you. Um if you don't buy through us, it's simple. You just call a property manager and they do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's super awesome.
3: It's Did you fun. ever think
1: it would happen this fast? No. Two really, years?
3: Not at all.
2: No. I, no. I didn't at all. It's um it's been really fun. I mean, it's been extremely hard and it's taken a toll on on us in every area of our lives, really. I mean, there's been there's been a few times that we literally had to stop sales where it was everybody was so overwhelmed we I, I, we couldn't reply to emails fast enough. There was so many people reaching out that we literally just couldn't keep up. Um, and I think we've done a good job of customer service and making sure that. The people working with us have a good experience is way more important to us than making more money. Um, I mean you can always make more money but if you don't treat the people correctly um, I mean that's what's most important to us and so um, even though it's been hard sometimes when it gets to that point where we're also overwhelmed we're not afraid to just email people back and say hey I'm sorry um, it's going to be about a week or so before we have anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're not selling anything else right now. Yeah. Um, just so that, you know, we can continue to give a good level of service. Yeah. To just so they know. So they haven't been left like without any contact for yeah, two yeah. or three weeks. or whatever Yeah,
3: it is. for sure. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll at least respond and tell you it'll be a minute before I can respond. Okay. <laughs> Try to, um, it was just so much so fast. I mean, almost, almost 200 houses, five flips, about two to. To, two duplexes to hold yeah do you guys have a, your months. own
2: so i know you said you mentioned you had mm-hmm. your own rental in. do you have rentals yeah. Now as yeah well? and then we own rentals as a company too okay. so um what we had decided kind of early on is we don't buy anything that we could sell um because we don't want to take away like good deals right. from people yeah. um but there's
3: we there's the stuff really that's weird got, deals that come up yeah that, funky lot lines are literally like sellers in prison or Mm -hmm. mentally disabled sellers that we know it's going to be kind of a bumpy ride, Mm -hmm. Um, we'll we'll buy those deals because we can't provide a good customer service on those. It's a nightmare. Yeah, Yeah.
2: That and commercial lending for people that don't live here is really difficult. Um, Most lenders, if it's a commercial deal, they they won't even loan on something under like $500,000. And if they do, your interest rate is like through the roof. And so uh, we have one deal right now that's actually two duplexes on one lot. And it was – the whole deal was very, very weird. Um, But we bought that one just because it was a good deal and we knew we weren't going to be able to sell it to anybody else. So we we buy those. Mm -hmm. And our philosophy on it, like why we buy them as a company is that – we don't ever want to have to make a decision because of our financial position. We want to always be able to make the decision based off of what is best for the people that we're helping and if we're strapped financially and we can't pay payroll and stuff like that, it leads people to making decisions that help them and mm-hmm. not the people they're trying to help and we don't ever want to be in that position. Yeah. yeah.
3: And real estate's like the wild west right now, like with all this like battle between Zillow and KW for right, data. Right, KW just released,
1: like they, or will be releasing their new system soon. Yeah, right? I
3: mean, it's wild. So we don't yeah. know how the industry is going to change, and we'll be in real estate for a really long time. But if you know tech does change something, yeah. we want to be in a position where we've still got money coming in. Right. It's not like, oh, shit, what so now? So
1: what's the end goal?
3: Man, we've been talking about that so much this week. Um,
1: Someone comes in and says, I want to buy your business. Is that a goal?
3: It's not a goal... And we're setting it up so that we have a product that can be sold or a business that okay. can be sold. Um, We've—it's re- hard. Um, I believe in planning. Like, oh man, I like—I really through my core believe in knowing what your end result is. Um, and I really think that so much of our success has been really because of our ability to pivot. Um, so I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want a business that can be sold. I want a business that we work ourselves out of. Um, we're playing with the idea of kind of doing some type of vertically integrated, you know, having several companies that all, you know, the supply chain of one feeds B feeds mm-hmm. C. Um, we l- it's just, it's hard, you know, it's hard to know, do you want to have several companies that all feed each other? or Do you want to have one that is huge? Yeah. Um,
2: we've talked about, I'm a few different things at the beginning. Our end goal was to be a bank we wanted to be able yeah. we wanted to be the people that were lending money to people buying rentals or well cuz then, then it's like flips. okay
3: we lend the money to the person who's going who's to buying, yeah. rehab yeah. it and then our development team helps that person rehab it and then the sales team helps them sell it when they're done or our management team helps them manage it when they're done there it's scary with how much real estate's changing to know if any of those players are even going to be needed by the time we get it all built out. Yeah. Just and so, to be totally candid.
2: And so then we talked about, you know, kind of doing almost like a franchise-type model where after everything's – our systems and processes and everything are down pat here, then we move that to another state or another city. Um, so that's kind of an – op. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that it can go, um, but it's kind of like I was talking about where – you know you can be anywhere you want in 5 years mm-hmm. and like she was saying there's so much changing in the real estate industry right now that it's hard to say like yes this is exactly what we're going after in 5 years because it's tomorrow like what happens everything when you change. build a whole
3: sales team and then Zillow's like nah homie we got that down <laughs> yeah. we just stole it
2: yeah so there's there's just a lot to it but i know the only thing that i know for sure there's two things i know for sure that we'll be doing long term <laughs> One, is we will always be finding good deals and selling deals, um, mm-hmm. you know, rentals, flips, whatever. And two, we'll always be buying them ourselves. Yeah. Cause I mean, if we don't, I, I, I feel like real estate, you know, owning rentals and that kind of stuff is how most people become, you know, What's done like 90% of millionaires yeah. in real yeah. estate, something like that? Yeah, yeah, have real estate. and so um, Man, and we just love it. Yeah. God's not making any more land. So, yeah. I mean, the more land and real estate and stuff you can buy, you're going to have more passive income, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, you can keep building that part, too.
1: That's awesome. Um, this has been great. Like, I've learned so much from doing this. Awesome. So I'm sure, like, I love that. Yeah. I hope our listeners have, too. Um, if they haven't, well... They can listen to this ten times. And I'm sure they. Have. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, how can uh, people reach out? You said the mailing list was out on a Wednesday, but you've got to be in a consult. Sorry, consultation first. Yeah. How do they do all that? How do they the reach out? to The easiest
3: way is to either go to our website. Uh, it's table.investments, no.com, no.net, no, table dot investments no dot com no dot net not just table investments yeah. yeah. Um, or on Instagram, it's table property network on on social media. So if, DM us, send us a message, or just submit through the website. take care of
1: you awesome well guys thanks for listening uh hopefully you guys in a few years be buying rental houses from these guys and getting that passive income sitting on the beach drinking pina (laughs) coladas.
2: we'd love to help you yeah
0: catch you next week cheers
2: yes that was really good i loved that
0: thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too podcast was produced by mike hearn and ian weston mixed by alan brown with music by chad duro